Good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to The Real Estate Show. I'm your super host, Terry Kalakos, chartered real estate and mortgage broker extraordinaire, as well as president of Northeast Real Estate and Mortgage Agency and Coldwell Banker Commercial Alliance. And today is part two of our landlord special, where we're going to be focusing on what you need to know as a landlord this time of year. Joining me, we have my beautiful co-host, Marav Marciano, Chartered Real Estate Mortgage Broker and Vice President of Northeast and CBC Alliance. What's going on? Nothing much. I'm a little confused. So today you're the super I'm host. I'm the super host today. I'm the, the president host. extraordinaire. I was and I'm about to say, the I was going to say I'm the hostess with the mostest, but it's, I can't. You're the host I, with I'm the most. The host, I don't know, whatever, whatever. And he's, listen, sometimes we need our, we need to pat ourselves on the back. You're right, you're you right. Know? You are a super host and you are <laughs> extraordinaire. Well, I didn't go there, but thank you for the compliment. <laughs> and we're going to be also continuing uh, last week's discussion about whether or not it's me or Marav that's usually right. So, yes, well, I, I don't think anybody needs to uh, send us any messages about that. We both know who's right. <laughs> exactly. Please feel free to call us at the office at 514-680-4674 as well. You can visit us online at www.nordest.ca. You could also visit us online at facebook.com slash Northeast Nordest and facebook.com slash CBC Alliance Quebec. And again, if you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is newsonthego.ca. Newsonthego.ca. There you go. Nice. Which eventually I will change that name. Yeah, you that. keep on saying that. But I keep. Okay. I know. I know. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But anyways, it so will. Last it week, will happen. Yeah. Exactly. Last week. Last week we talked about being a landlord. What but a then... great show last <laughs> week. Okay, so I got so much positive feedback. You know, first and foremost, I mean, the amount of people that reached out to me and they were like, "Oh my God, we." They were on the floor cracking up with our show last week, which was very informative and, and very good. But we didn't actually get a chance to really talk about all the stuff that we really wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, being so, a landlord. Being a landlord. And being a landlord comes with a lot of responsibilities, obviously. We know this, yep. right? We, you know, you have people's literally, your their lives in your hands yeah. to a certain degree. Um, you know, although it's a home for a tenant, the property is in fact a business to the landlord. And yeah. we can't forget that. I think that's an important point because, yes, and I know that a lot of tenants, it really rubs them the wrong way when we mention that real estate or an investment property is a business for a landlord. It is a business. And, you know, for a tenant, it's their home. So you've got an emotional side, which is the home. Yeah. And then for the landlord, it is a business, which, of course, they have an emotional side as well, where they have to take care of it and all that. Yeah. And, and there was a couple of text messages that came in last week uh, towards the tail end of the show, which I actually didn't get to. I, I answered them um, kind of like on the side afterwards. Um, one of them was actually from Karen, who had actually said, oh, you know, landlords are just people that have a lot of money that buy real estate. It was something like that. I don't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't, yeah. I don't remember exactly what, what the what the question was. It or was what regarding the, the new was. tax. It was basically they're taxing the rich. They're taxing not, the yeah. rich, exactly. Um, the reality in many cases is actually so far from that that it's... You know, I mean, let's let we don't have to go anywhere else. Let's look in this room, right? Let's look at 
the first property that I ever bought, and we've talked about this, you know, I was 24 years old. I didn't have two pennies to rub together. Mm -hmm. I had enough that I had gotten for the down payment. And I ended up buying this fourplex in Hochelaga Maisonneuve, which I ended up living in, right? So the reason why I bought that building was so that the tenants and myself can actually, you know, they would help me live, if you will. I wasn't rich. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a ton of disposable income, nothing like that. But buying that property helped me accumulate what I actually needed. And I still have that property. And I still have, you know, one of the tenants that's in that building is still one of my original tenants. Mm -hmm. You know, that probably was, they were there from even before I I owned the property. So you got to remember that at the end of the day, not all landlords, I'm now speaking to the tenants out there, right? Mm -hmm. Not all landlords are bad. And now I'm going to speak to the landlords, Because landlords also have this misconception about tenants, that all tenants are bad, and they're not, right? At the end of the day, we have to remember we're all a bunch of humans living on this planet together, cohabitating, and we are here to support each other and help each other, right? And whether you're a landlord and tenant, the most important thing, and this is something that I've always talked about, you need to make sure that you're always maintaining this dialogue, right? You need to make sure that you're maintaining a dialogue between yourself and your landlord. And as long as you have that, you're good to go. I think uh, it's basically, a, it comes down to mutual respect. The landlord has to respect the space of the tenant and, you know, provide what needs to be provided. The tenant has to respect the landlord and do their share as well. So I think if there's a mutual respect there and everybody's doing their share. And an understanding. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. But let's look at it. Okay. So now I, saying I, saying what we just said. Yeah. We do have to remember that there are a lot of things that a landlord does have to think about. Yeah. Like, basically, you have to respect the law. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You know, it's a basic thing. But at the end of the day, you know, landlords and tenants both have to respect the law. You can't, you know, create a grow up in there. You can't. uh, uh, If you're going to have a hair salon, you're sort of, you know. Not really respecting the rules. You're violating, depending on, you know, maybe if if it's been authorized, for sure. Exactly. So there's different different things. You know, you have to keep the property in good condition, of course, and have proper insurance, whether it's the landlord or the tenant. So there's little things like that that are really important. They're so basic, but they're so important. And that's a huge misconception. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Misconception. It's okay. my presence. Yeah, I know. You're, you're, I'm, I'm stumbling, you know. I was going to say something. Anyways, I was going to say something really dumb there. But anyways, I'm holding back. <laughs> um, you know, there's this misconception that that's, exists about insurance. That's actually something that, you know, tenants believe that they're going to go into a property and they don't need to have anything. They don't need insurance. They don't need this. They don't need that. The truth is so much further than that. You do need tenants insurance Mm -hmm. when you go in there. And it's actually one of the things that I oblige my tenants to actually provide me whenever they move into a property. So the minute they sign a lease, I say, I also would like a copy of your tenants insurance. Yeah, because the landlord's insurance will not cover the belongings of the tenant inside, et cetera. So definitely tenant insurance is really important. And we've had cases where tenants have forgotten windows open in the winter, shut off heating, and their property basically ended up becoming flooded because of, you know, 
So, yeah. so that that definitely covered the renovations, but not the items yeah, of the tenant. That's it. Exactly. Um, the other thing that we have to also remember, okay, that rent price is always based on the highest rental rate in the last two years for that unit, right? I and think that's, that's an important one for landlords. And, um, you know, it is based on the TAL, the uh, Tribunal Administratif de Logement. I, mm-hmm. I'm still getting used to that name. Um, you know, you have to follow the rules. And and that's part of the letter of the law that we were kind of talking about earlier, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of rules and, and conditions that you have to follow. You have to, uh, you know, it is part of being a landlord. At the end of the day, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have, um, when we're looking at, you know, rental increases, okay? When we're looking at rental increases, Marav is concerned about the time here. She's like pointing at at her watch here and she's like, she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, don't worry about the time. I've got, I've got the time. (laughs) She keeps pointing at her clock. Like, are we over our time here? Anyways, um, Screening tenants. So, yeah. So, when we're looking at screening tenants, mm-hmm. okay, what's something that you've seen that's been successful? Because for me, I've always I've always opted to make sure that I, I do things properly, but why don't you go ahead? Definitely, I would make uh, tenants fill out an application to get to know a little bit about them, about their job history, etc. Uh, I've seen a lot of landlords also choose to do a credit uh, verification as well as a background check. And you can have all kinds of companies help you with that, whether it's a... Uh, through companies like Corpic, et cetera, or direct companies like Proprio Enquête help out with that a lot. And uh, just, I would do a quick check to see if they've ever been uh, in the tribunal and had issues with other landlords. When we come back, we're going to be looking at rental increases and how high can you go? You're listening to The Real Estate Show, and today we have our landlord special, part deux, where all your questions as a landlord can be answered Feel free to call us at the office at 514-680-4674 or visit us online at www.nordest.ca. And of course, if you haven't done so already, take a moment, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is newsonthego.ca. Also, yes, you can listen to us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Amazon. So all the podcasts. And podcast on SoundCloud. And on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Sound, SoundCloud. 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 And iHeartRadio, of course. Right? <laughs> yes, that's true. Straight <laughs> exactly. on the iHeartRadio uh, website. Uh, exactly. Absolutely. Just if you go on Spotify, do me a favor, please. You know, don't judge me based on my playlists. I like rap music. So there's like a whole whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Yes. Okay. Yes. Don't judge me on that. No, nobody's <laughs> judging. Everybody's allowed to listen to whatever music you like. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right, yeah. please. So we're we're at the end of the year. Well, at right. the end of the year, we're basically at the end of the fiscal yeah. year, if you want. It's that time of year, taxes, slips. Uh, Important all. deadlines are and, coming up. Yeah. Exactly. So I think and this the, is a good show about... Uh, yeah, and the big noise. one, um, the big one is the rental increases or the evictions, right? Rental increases have to occur, obviously, um, you know, for me, you know, people always ask me, theoretically, it's three to six months beforehand that you need to alert someone of a change in the state of the lease, uh, up to three months, you tend, tend to be okay. Um, I like to go a little bit more. So if uh, the 
the lease is up for renewal at the end of June, beginning of July, mm-hmm. um, in our national holiday, moving holiday. Yep, Canada you know, Day. Yeah. Canada Day I, is, you yeah, know, Quebec's moving day. Moving mm-hmm. day. Okay, so um, I tend to do it before the 31st. So between Christmas and New Year's, whenever there's a rental increase or anything like that or any changes, that's when I actually send things out. And I give the tenants 30 days to respond. Most of the time they, you know, I don't, I don't usually raise rents all that much, but when I do, that's the period that I do it. And I always suggest to landlords to do it at that point in time as well. That way you're getting enough of a runway in front of you so that in the event that there is any issues or any complications, you can actually fix it with the tenant. The other thing that you can do is actually have the conversation before you even send out the rental increase. So that way, you know, for sure that they're going to be accepting what you're sending. And you touched on evictions. Now, evictions, you're talking about repossessing a dwelling for personal use or for a family member. Yeah. That's six months in advance, though. That's right. Exactly. So in the case where you need need to repossess a dwelling for yourself or for a a family member, then definitely six months before the renewal of the lease, this has to be... uh, This has to be done. It has to be done. Now, with respect to rental increases, everybody wonders, how high can you go? So on the TALS website uh, mm-hmm. or the Regida Logement's website, uh, however you want to call it, um, there is a form that you fill out and there's basically calculations that you have to do. So you have to look and you say, okay, this is how much my property and school taxes and my expenses of the property were year this year. This is how much they were the previous year. And there's a calcul that's basically done. I don't know where the French just came yeah, from. Yeah, that's a result. There's a calculation <laughs> that, that basically has to occur. And then at the end, it'll tell you, you are permitted to raise the property, uh, the actual rent by this much. It also factors in their renovations that you've done to the property and stuff like that. There's this misconception. And a lot of people think that if they do major renovations to a property or you know they change a kitchen, change a bathroom, something like that, they can go in and rent it for whatever they want afterwards. It's not the case you still have to follow the guidelines of the TAL. If you're not going to, as a landlord, if you're not going to follow those guidelines, the actual tenant has the right to petition the TAL for a reduction of rent. And it's a dangerous game because what happens is a lot of times tenants will accept to pay the higher rent so that they can get into a unit, right? So imagine you you basically have a unit that's um, you know, being thousand, renovated. Yeah. Let's say it's a thousand bucks a month. Yeah, a client you fully is, renovate it. You rent you, it out you for fifteen hundred. You rent it. Yeah, exactly. Fifteen, sixteen hundred. Let's say you rent it out for two thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go crazy. You you're you say I've I've put in money in this. I want to recoup my money. I'm renting it out for two thousand. You didn't follow the calculation the way that you were supposed to. The tenant somehow finds out what the previous tenant was paying because you didn't mark it off properly or you you, you omitted something. Yeah, because you're supposed to mark it in the lease. In, yeah, what was the lowest rent that was paid in the last two years? What happens is at that moment, that tenant can petition the TAL for a rent reduction and they will win. Yeah. So you have to be very, very careful that everything that you're doing is above board. Now, of course... New construction is an ex- an exception to this rule. New construction, so if is... you've left, if the unit has been vacant for a couple of years and you've done major renovations in or anything like that, that's a whole different animal, okay? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about tenant leaves, yep. you go in, you do your, your renovations, three months later, you decide to rent it out for $1,000 more, 
you're going to end up having a problem. And we've actually seen, this was a few, I don't know if you remember this, but we had a friend of ours who was renting a unit mm -hmm. and she went into the, she went into the rental. She found out a year and a half later that the previous tenant was paying less. She went to the Régie de Logement and the Régie de Logement basically forced the landlord to refund her all of that money for the year and a half. That, that extra. That hurts. <laughs> yes, it hurts. So basically, she ended up living there for free after because the land landlord didn't actually refund the money. He just said, okay, well, whatever, stay here for you know the next six, seven, eight months, whatever it was for free. Wow. And the rent was reduced. Um, the other thing that, uh, that uh, I know people who invest in condos, if there's a special assessment, that goes into your expenses as well, by the way. That's right. Exactly. So that's important to know. And once you do all that calculation, it gives you a number mm -hmm. and, uh, and you send it to your tenant and you say, you know, as of this, as of the renewal of the lease, the rent will increase to this amount. You even go as far as including the sheet. I include the sheet. The Absolutely. calculations. Just to show them where this number comes from. Absolutely. I include okay. the sheet. I say, this is what it is. You like it? Great. You don't like it? At that point, they can't petition. When you have that sheet, so let's say that sheet says that you could increase it by 3%, as an example. If you increase it by 3%, no one's going to be able to argue that. You followed the guidelines exactly mm -hmm. the way that they were supposed to be done. The problem comes in when those guidelines are not followed and you say, well, it says three, but I'm going to see if I can squeeze out five, right? Now, if you have the conversation with your tenant and your tenant agrees to pay that extra amount for one reason or another, just like we have those, you know, long-term tenants. And I'm the, like I said, I'm the type of guy, I don't raise my rent every single year. But every so often, I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen, you know, you guys are paying the same rent for the last, you know, three years, we need to bump it up. How much, you, you know, can you afford to increase it by? And they'll, they'll tell me, you know what, let's put it up 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 70 bucks, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And they understand also, again, you've got to have that dialogue. If you don't have that dialogue, forget it. It's, it's game over. As long as you two agree, then we're good. Exactly. Exactly. And, and now with respect to slips, oh, the Releve 31. The slips, <laughs> the slips. I get the call every year from my mother. So my mother is the person that reminds me of the slips because I have to prepare them for her building also. And she says to me, and she's like, did you make the tax slips? You know, <laughs> The taxes, the taxes. So we're talking about the famous Relevé 31 slips, okay, uh, which have to be provided to your tenants by the end of February, right? Theoretically. I'm not going to lie. I am late sometimes. They do come in in March. Uh, and the whole purpose of those is so that the government is aware of who and what is living inside of a property. Who and what? <laughs> who? I was thinking dogs, but it's not. <laughs> I, was... <laughs> I was following you up until the what? <laughs> who is living inside the property, right? Okay. So they want to make sure that, and they want to know approximately, like, you know, there, there's a whole calculation. So tenants are used to doing these. It's a very simple form to fill out. And, you know, a lot of times accountants are going to hate what I'm about to say. Most people give this to their accountants to do or their bookkeepers. It's such a simple slip to fill out. It takes me, I don't know, all of about five minutes per building uh, to do for, and 
Directly on the Régie du Logement, on the uh, Tribunal, they have actually, I think, a link. A link to, to, to prepare, to the prepare them. Yeah, much. they're very, very simple to do. And I always encourage people to do them themselves. So I, I think that, um, and, and just get them out there because it's important because it actually, for people that need it, uh, need to, that information in their taxes so that they get certain credits, it's an important thing uh, to have. When we return, we're going to be looking at this new underused housing tax and how it affects you, even if you're not a foreign investor. You're listening to The Real Estate Show, and this week we're talking to landlords. This is our second segment of our landlord special. Don't forget you can call the office at 514-680-4674, where Olympia is standing by to take your calls. She's not really standing by, but you get Operator, what I'm saying. Standing yeah, by. that's it. Or you can visit us online at www.nordest.ca. Okay, Marav. So I'm going to, like I did last week, take a step back from the microphone so people don't actually hear my blood boiling for what we're about to talk about here. And I'd like you to explain what our beautiful government has done and put in place with respect to this underused housing tax act and i'm stepping back here step back step back i'm away okay. tie your hands <laughs> yeah so um again there's still a lot of clarifications needed after we mm -hmm. finish our first tax filing on may 1st we will find out more Regarding this underused, she's she's laugh, she's trying to keep from laughing because she knows exactly how I feel right now. So it is just to clarify, it is basically a one percent tax on the ownership mm -hmm. of vacant or underused housing in Canada. Interesting. So and of course, it's basically anything you own um, up to December thirty first. Now, of course, this applies to non residents or non Canadian owners. But the main issue is that even if you're exempt, you're supposed to fill out this form. And who's, who? okay, so who's exempt from this? Like, if you look at it, you know, I think like secondary homes, homes that are uh, seasonal, uh, there's there's a whole bunch of exemptions that, that the government has actually put in place uh, for this. But why would you, if you're exempt from it, why would you actually have to fill this in like what kind of you know like well, to me this sounds like the government is on a fishing expedition here well i'm trying to not make it a political I'm, I'm show being, i don't yes, want to be yes, political no, here i'm being but. very i'm being very transparent here yeah um there isn't enough uh explanation why you would have to file this even if you're exempt so technically a canadian citizen who's a permanent resident unless they're included in a separate list i'll tell you what the separate list is mm -hmm. does not have to file it okay. but i mean if you if you own the property in an incorporation if you own it in a trust if you own it in a partnership uh, there's all kinds of different scenarios where you have to file it which is the majority of investors <laughs> so yeah. um so it is causing a little bit of a, an issue. Yeah, yeah, an issue in the sense where, you know, if you have a secondary residence and it's not used enough and it's vacant, does that fall? Like there's a little bit of a gray zone of understanding what you need to file for. And, you know, we know some investors who have 
thousands of doors. And you have to do it for each? For each property. For each property. Unit? No, each property. Not per door? No, it's not per okay. door, but it's per property. But, you know, some people have, you know, a lot of... Uh, what really, the, the whole point of this, or so they say, was for non-residents. They don't want, basically, people coming in and buying 10, 12 condos in a in a complex and leaving them vacant and parking their money here if you want. And I understand that. And I think that it's a great idea when you're, you know, chapeau. If the government was to come out and say, hey, you know what? You're a foreign investor. You're buying an entire floor of a condo building. You're leaving it vacant so that you can park your money here. We're going to tax you on it. Okay. I have zero problem with that. Zero. None. I I would be the first one voting for something like that. Okay. You want to charge people 1%? because they've parked their money here from wherever, mm-hmm. no problem. But when you're going and you're actually attacking Canadians and their rights and interests, we're literally, I mean, forget about this, I mean, Canada as a whole is an overly taxed country. Quebec is, I mean, we're not even going to get, you mm-hmm. know, go into it. I mean, the amount of taxes that we pay. And then they want to add something like this on top of it. But now they're saying, we're not taxing you. We oh, just yeah. want to know. Of course. So you're not paying the yeah, 1%. Yeah, but you, you, you know what? The fact that you have to, you know, get an, an accountant or whoever to fill out these forms, because most people are not going to do this themselves. Of course. It is something more that people, Canadians, already you have inflation up, you have this, you have that. And now all of a sudden they have to pay you more. You have this new expense, this new worry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, of course, people who, uh, who have real estate or real estate shares in REITs, or publicly traded companies are exempt from this as well. Of course, yeah. You know, any kind of, if you own real estate as a publicly traded company, you're exempt as well. You know, so there's a lot of exemptions. However, the small investor, you know, will be affected. They will be affected. And I'm saying small investor. um, When I say small, I'm talking about non-big corporations. You're affected because most people will buy under an incorporation a lot of people have family trusts. Uh, you know, it's it's tough, you know. Right. So um, we'll see. We'll see how this mm-hmm. plays out. <laughs> and there's even some people who say even a regular Canadian citizen, if they don't fall in the incorporation and all that, there's some situations where you still have to file. So I have to uh, get more information about this. And mostly I think once we do that first filing We'll find out once the government comes back and says, oh, you're missing this. You shouldn't have filed for that or whatever it is. And then they're going to, and then there's a penalty, right? Obviously, if you don't file yes. it. Yes, yes. So if you're supposed to file, even if it's you're filing for an exemption and you don't file, it's a $5,000 penalty if you're an individual. Unbelievable. And a $10,000 penalty if you're a corporation. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a... Unbelievable. I don't know what's the strategy here. I don't know if... Yeah, a recoup money that they spent, you know, over the last couple no, of years. No, I think it's deeper than that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, we need to know what everybody owns. We need to know where there's money being parked. We need to know... Fishing expedition. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, like it's, it doesn't smell right. Uh, I understand if it's for non-residents, absolutely, like you say, but for for Canadian citizens, this new, I'm not even going to say this tax, this new filing that you have to do because you're not paying a tax but you are doing a filing it's uh it's uh it's worrisome so i'm curious now 
and you know now we're going to go into kind of speculation here but what happens to those investors if you will who i don't know don't know about this and i'm sure there's a lot of them that you know are are living abroad who own real estate here maybe rented maybe not and have zero clue zero clue about yeah. what they should be doing with this I guess at first it's gonna it's gonna be a while before they start reaching out to everybody who owns real estate who hasn't filed um, but again if you have vacant units you should do something about it unless you fall in the exemptions whereby but you still have to file it yes maybe it's being renovated maybe it's uh, there's a damage to the property maybe it's in a location uh, that's non uh, basically it's a seasonal type of property so there's ex exceptions for the vacancy mm -hmm. for you not to have to pay the one percent um, tax but again you have to really have an accountant taking care of your things a lot of people still file their own taxes they don't use accountants if it's you know for a few little uh, units so i i don't know i'm um i'm a little bit i'm a little bit worried about our fellow real estate investors <laughs> uh, i won't lie to you it's yeah. just because you know there's well look even for myself okay so i'm in the business i'm in the mortgage business i'm in the real estate business i'm in the commercial real estate business okay i have the real estate show right i mean that my whole life revolves around this and if it wasn't for me speaking to a friend of mine two weeks ago who said to me, I was like, how are you doing? He's like, oh man, I just had to fill out like a whole bunch of these, you know, forms for the <laughs> underutilized housing, housing tax. tax. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you got to fill it out before the end of April and submit it to the government. Otherwise you get, and as soon as he said that, I went, oh my God, I completely, completely had forgotten about it. Yeah, it's the accounting firm that reached out to me to mention it just because they know that we have real estate. And again, if you don't have an accountant, it's a problem. You're not going to end You're up You're not having... going to know about it. Don't forget, guys, you can call us at the office at 514-680-4674 or you can visit us online at www.nordest.ca. When we come back, we're going to be looking at rental vacancy rates across Canada and in Montreal. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Real Estate Show. And today we're doing our landlord special, part deux. You like that? I like no? that. You could call us at the <laughs> office at 514. Oh my God, I forgot the number at the office. 514-680-4674. Remember wow. that time when I was on the air? This was going back to the dollars and cents. <laughs> I know exactly what story you're Right, you remember what I'm about? Okay, so our, our phone number at the office was is, is 680-4674. And our old phone number at home was 1631, 680-1631. So I, the whole show, I gave our house number. <laughs> and you were listening and you were like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I remember that. Anyways. <laughs> it's good to see that my you know, goofiness is actually consistent throughout the years. Oh. It's not getting worse. It's not oh, improving. It's just it's not getting worse. Okay, that's cute. Okay, let's look at the numbers. Let's look so at the CMHC. numbers. CMHC yeah. came out with the numbers for vacancy rates. Yes. So first of all, across Canada, mm -hmm. um, it dropped, of course. Um, we see it dropped from 3.1 to 1.9% vacancy Wow. Rate. Across Canada. Across Canada. Okay. And that in is Montreal, low. yeah, in Montreal, it dropped from 3.7 to 2.3%. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. So that's really, really not a lot of supply for renters. Um, it's they're not building fast enough. So they're saying, even though there's a lot of new builds, mm -hmm. and a lot of new builds you'll notice are actual rentals. They're not new condos. A lot of them are rentals. It's not being built fast enough. Plus we have, I mean, there's immigration. We have... Um, students. Students, students are yeah. coming back in person. Absolutely. So think of the amount of students in universities yeah. that need places to stay. You know, students are back. Immigration is up. There's a lot of factors uh, that affect, and of course, the affordability of housing. So a lot of people who were thinking of buying this year decided to, to rent mm -hmm. or stay renting. So again, that usually these folks would come out of the rental market into the buying market and they can't. So again, not enough supply. You know, so there's a lot of factors. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, look, if you look at... Um if I go back in time, and the last time that I saw vacancy rates at this number, I remember I was literally putting up a sign, and I didn't have a chance to get off of the ladder. I kid you not. I would put put the sign up on my building. I wouldn't have a chance to get off the ladder. I would have three people at the bottom of the ladder saying to me, how much is it? What's the size? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. I remember. You remember that? That was 2001 or 2002. I, I had that. people offering me double the rent i had people offering me to pay you know put deposits i i mean it was it was crazy it was Lineups. to the point i remember they would even offer for you not to paint not to do yeah, anything don't we'll do go anything in. we'll go we're in. gonna go in we're I gonna take that. care of everything I for you that yeah wow no. that's that's insane so and it was basically exactly this and i still have the newspaper article from back in the day when the vacancy rates were this, and it was from the Montreal Gazette, and I remember I had clipped it out, and I had it because I was living exactly that. There was literally lineups around the, the and we're seeing it right now. I mean, you put up a sign, it's, I mean, properties are just gone instantly in a snap, right? Yeah, the, the big people affected will be um, the low-income renters. Yeah. It's a big problem because when it's such a big demand, it creates a market where, you know, rent, rental increases go up faster, et cetera. So, you know, it's harder to find. I think that a big part of it is also, um, I mean, obviously the supply of the rental units is not as as big. Uh, there's not enough right now. But there's also not that turnover of people going from renter to owner. So there's a generation right now, and I, I, and I pray that I'm not going to insult anyone with what I'm about to say. So please don't misunderstand anything. Mirab, don't shake your head. Don't worry. Okay. I'm going to be good. That's the but goofiness we were talking there about. Is, there is a, no, I have a filter. My filter is there. But there is, there is a, a generation. There is a, between certain ages where they're kind of in a transitionary period. They're taking longer to you know, buy those properties because not, it's not no fault of their own. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's because the government's rules have changed so much, you know, like you, you're, when you apply for a mortgage, you have to be stress tested. You no longer have long amortizations. You're capped out at 25 or 30 years. Um, you have to save up good amounts of down payment. That wasn't the case before, right? So back in the day, the government had done things to stimulate not only the housing market, but to encourage people to transition from renter to owner. Right. Right now, it's the opposite. The government is doing everything that they possibly can to keep people exactly where they are. So people are not selling their houses because they can't upgrade. 
people are not transitioning from renter to owner because they can't afford it and not because interest rates are up. It's just, and not because house prices are up. The mortgage rules, the government policies, yeah. The policies, all of that has changed. So there's a whole slew of things that's occurred that's basically preventing people from transitioning from renter to owner. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the day, I'm saying back in the day, 20 years ago plus, at 25 years old, you are usually able to already look at buying something. And that number over the years has gone higher and higher and higher. And a family earning a $60,000 income back in the day, I sound like I'm aging myself here, but you can buy a decent house. Now even $100,000 family income is not enough. We've seen even $150,000 not being enough to buy you know, a decent home to live in. So it's a problem. The way that mortgage rules have affected yeah. the qualifying, it's really a problem. So the 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 scary or I'll, I'll say the scary thing. Um, if we look at the last 15 years, okay? So let's go back to when I originally became a broker. I would have people in their mid-20s, like you said, they would come to see me they would be working in, have you know, a good paying job and they would have some money saved up and they would say, okay, I want to buy, we want to buy our first condo. We want to buy our first house, whatever. And they would go into that, you know, they would transition. Today, I have first time home buyers in their 40s, mm-hmm. in their 50s because they needed that extra time to actually save up that money for the down payments or to get that better paying job or whatever so that they can actually qualify. Or to pay down their debts. Or to pay down their debts. And what's happening is that line, as interest rates go up and house prices continue to go up, I mean, people think that house prices have gone down. House prices haven't gone down. They're they're the same, if not higher. In Quebec, it's the same. Um, You know, know, as things are becoming more expensive for them, that line gets pushed year after year over, you know, and it's sad because yeah. it's actually, in some cases, cheaper for you to go and buy a property than it is for you to rent. But because of the way that the system is designed, it's becoming more difficult. So therefore, you have this, this, these, these crazy, you know, low vacancies. Why? Because people can't. Oh my God! I made it a political show. <laughs> Let's go vote. (laughs) All this to say, there is a reason behind this low vacancy rate. And we hope that the policies will change to make it easier for average families to buy. You know, everybody wants the average family to be able to afford. It should not be exclusive to people earning a certain amount or uh, saving up a certain amount. So I think I think that's the most important point. That's why you need to call us at the office so that we can make sure that we put you on the right track to actually take care of yourself and, and buy the, yourself give a, the right number this time. Yeah, so you can reach us at the <laughs> office at 514-680-4674 or you can visit us online again at www.nordest.ca. Guys, till next week, have a blessed week. Love you all.